But lords and ladies, we are back with another episode of are you a are you a mogwai? A, I don't know. No, is that some D and D thing? No, mogwai is uh, from Gremlins. Oh, you know, haven't seen that one. Haven't seen Gremlins. It's on the list of B horror movies to watch. Oh, and it's it's an '80s family horror movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's got some messed up scary parts, but it's mostly family friendly. <laughs> okay. So I should watch it with Amber. Yes. Okay. She would like it. You'll have to convince her of that because she hates all horror movies. The last one she watched was the first Conjuring movie. Oh. Okay. This is not that. Yeah. Okay. It's it's like rated PG. (laughs) Is it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also a classic. And now everyone's gonna give you shit in the comments because you haven't seen Gremlins. Yeah. Oh, you're a horror fan and you haven't seen X. I haven't heard that before ever. (laughs) Never in my life have I heard that. Uh, anyways, this is the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. Uh, someone gave us a better tagline they in the did. description or in the in the comment section of the last video, but I don't remember what it was. But it sounded rhymy and fun, and I'll have to look into it next time and memorize it. Yeah, but yeah, we like to talk about things. Yeah, we like to talk about things. Any well, bonus stories for today? We we do have some bonus stories. All right, hit me with your best shot. Um, I got my haircut yesterday. Yeah, you look fresh as. Uh, I, I I hadn't had my haircut since the beginning of March, and uh, I actually had a haircut appointment set. Okay, this is a little vain. Wait, right hold now. on, hold on. Is this related to miniature painting? Yes, it is. <laughs> Just we'll get there. Okay. I had I had a haircut appointment set for the day before we left for Adepticon. Uh yes, right. I did something similar to that as well. I was like, you gotta look styling. Yeah, you profiling. Look fresh, dude. You gotta clean your shoes. Yeah, buy some new pants. It's like the first day of school, All right? <laughs> Yeah, you have to wear the the coolest outfit you own. Yeah, for that. Um, and then because Adepticon was canceled, I went into a deep depression and canceled my haircut appointment. <laughs> you canceled it? Yeah, I'm like, fuck it, I don't need it now. And I just threw my head into the pillow <laughs> with angst, <laughs> weeped, and I haven't had a haircut since. And uh, so yesterday I got my haircut, and I should have took a picture of this, but uh, they cut six inches of hair off the back of my head. Mm. I had a sweet, sweet mullet going. Yeah. And so my wife was like, well, you were only like four inches away from being able to donate that. And I'm like, why did I do it? I should have just kept the back Uh, growing. Just kept it. Keep the big mullet going. Because in the back, my hair, when it gets long, it's very thick and it gets wavy and curly. So it's like a real 80s mullet. Oh, wow. It's gone now. You ever seen like old 80s movies of like Metallica concerts or Megadeth concerts where <laughs> instead of head banging well they're head banging but they're doing it with their mullet so they're doing this motion when they're like yeah 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 throwing the, the, the back long portion out instead out of doing the, the typical you know yeah it's it's at like a it's at an angle yeah so they can so whip that thing the, you get the whop yeah whop is that the only story whop. we have Wow. Your haircut? No, I got a couple more. Oh, heck yeah. Um I've been bamboozled by the <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. by the internet. <laughs> so uh, it was brought to my attention on our Facebook group, the Trapped Under Plastic Facebook group, by which I encourage you all to join if you're not a part of, because you get to learn about these embarrassing things. <laughs> um is somebody found a YouTube video of that I did for work. Now for my work I've done quite a few youtube videos but they're all uh, hidden 
Right. Unlisted or private. Yeah. Yeah. They're all set to private because, and now I'm sure someone's going to be able to like hack the matrix and they'll (laughs) unleash them all in a, in a like rip off Darren Latham YouTube series videos and under a different channel kind of thing. What if someone took all those videos and like found each individual word and edited it together to be like a miniature painting tutorial? Like, you know, it's. (laughs) Like the and like the paint and like whatever. That'd be funny. Anyways, yeah, that would be so much work. If yeah. someone want to spend seven hundred hours to create that, I mean, yeah, go for it. Don't do it. Um, so I've, I've done a lot of these for work um, about careers in the medical field um, for kids. Uh, and when I say kids, I mean like high school and college students. Um, but this video is just like a short intro to the website that I ran um, about all this information, and it's like ten years old. So. I don't really think I look a whole lot different, but I look at it now and I'm like, my God, the camera angle, it was like way yeah, below me and like low. looking up my nostrils. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, lighting from a meeting room and it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, you had, you had the full hair slick back. No, oh, yeah. Not just the top. You had thicker rim glasses, which I had thicker rim glasses at, at that time as well. So yeah, you're like a new and improved version of yourself. Yeah, I'm new and slightly older version. Glow up, that, man. Glow up. Yeah, it's tied right now. Ah, <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. So, um, got a lot of shit about that. Yeah. And then um, it was funny. The comments were hilarious. People, right? People started commenting in that video about mini painting related yes. stuff. It was so funny. That I loved it. Cujo was in there, dude. And Cujo's comment was I don't remember if it was Cujo's if it was somebody else's was like five months ago. Yeah, it's been, like, it's been a while. I'm like, you sneaky snook. Well how you got in there and uh and just like just put it on the radio and just throw it over the bow. No one say anything else. And now since the last couple of days it's uh there's a lot more comments in there. Um so uh, you can check that out, but please don't. Um, <laughs> We're going to link it in the, in the description in the show notes. So. All right. All right. Uh, was there something else? Uh, I think there was one other thing. The uh, list writing. How to hold yourself hobby accountable. Okay. What the heck is this little item? There's a little little, a little fuzz on, on this microphone, and it keeps tickling my nostrils when I get close enough. My pube. <laughs> it's your pube. Thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> I thought it was curly. Um <laughs> All right, so this was something uh, as I was preparing for this week's episode um, in our after party, uh, which is a, a extended version of the podcast that our patrons get access to. I wanted to talk about this, and I thought it was too important. I wanted to bring it up up front so everyone can hear. And I've got other goodies to share in our section of new things you've tried, but I wanted to bring this up here. Okay. Um, I feel lately that I'm lazy. Yeah. I feel that all the time, but extra <laughs> extra amount lately. Okay. Um, does it have anything to do with Magic the Gathering? It has a little bit to do with Magic <laughs> the Gathering Arena. Yes, it does. Okay. But that's that's not entirely it. I've actually quit playing um, video games on my phone, like mobile games. Oh, right. Yes. Um, and that has really eased some, some time. But I also feel like during the day or in the evening, um, I'm not taking making best use of my hobby time. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, as I do when I exercise. And you exercise? Yes, I exercise. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> You're so lazy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and so I was listening to it, and he said that something that he does that really helps him, and this is not going to be revolutionary to any of us, is that he takes a sticky note, and every morning he writes a checklist of the things he needs to do that day. And I'm like, why can't we use that? For our hobbying. 
I do that. I and I historically back when I worked in in the office. Now I'm all at home. I used to do that too, where I'd write checklists for myself what I was going to do for the day. So this week I started this this week in the morning or the night before. I take out a physical sticky note, and I think the physical nature is very important. You have something that you cannot just turn the screen off on your phone and just ignore it or or avoid it. It's there. And so what I do is I make a list of things. And next to each of those things, I put, I draw a little box. And that box represents 15 minutes. Oh. Okay. 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 So it's like, all right. So if I, if I write um, edit my stinking painting video and I put four boxes there, every time I commit to 15 minutes and the 15 minutes is up, I get to check a box. And there's this, you get this dopamine hit. Wait, does Joe Rogan do this with the boxes? Yes. Oh. Well, no, no, he doesn't. I don't think he does the boxes. He just makes a list like all the other plebs do. Okay. But I, this way, I get to check the boxes as I'm spending more time. Okay. Um, and it's uh, I've been trying to finish working on one of my my minis, my uh, White Lion by Kingdom Death. Yeah, the oil one. The one in oils. And I was able to finish that model in one day where I let it sit for a week because of just the overwhelming nature of working with the new medium, working with oils. It's just, you create another barrier for yourself. At least I did. Uh, No, I understand that. And I set the boxes, checked them all off. One day, boom. Next day, did the base in oils, which sounds like it would not be that big of a deal, but it was more complex than I thought. Check those boxes. Got editing done every day this week. Um, Wow. And I added extra exercise things. So if you're looking to do like I did, um, well, I did 20 push-ups, and then I did four boxes. So I get to do 20 push-ups four times a day throughout the day. It doesn't matter. If, as long as I'm getting some exercise, getting some strength training in, that I get to check that box. Okay. And it's been super, super helpful for me. Yes. And so to go along the lines of the put paint on your brush every day, whether you, if you're still doing that, don't let me like bust your flow here. But if you're struggling with hobbying in a in a given day or in a given week, and even if you want, if you have like a hobby goal for the week, draw your checklist for the week. Maybe tonight I didn't get to anything done, but I still got my checklist. And by Sunday, I got to check those boxes. So I want to see some of our sprues and spruettes try that okay. along with me. I'm going to continue it. I'm not stopping. So hold me accountable and I'll hold you accountable and call you bad names if you don't do it. Okay. So my wife has mentioned something similar to this before where there's, there's a difference between using like a, a thing like Trello, mm-hmm. which is an online software for managing tasks that you might have in like a week or a sprint as they were called. When, oh God. Uh, probably just triggered a bunch of people. Um, there's a difference between that and using a physical medium. And I feel like this is helpful when you're dealing with a task that you're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. But like if I were to make that and it was like finish editing this video today and I had all these check boxes, it would just be super annoying because I edit and like three hours go by and I'm like, oh shit, here's, here's 17 check boxes. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't necessarily need it for editing, but for a new thing, I can understand that because there's a lot of apprehension on my end for getting into things that I don't know how to do. Yeah. Would you disagree I, with that? No, I think that's right. In in a, a one part that I've gotten the most satisfaction out of, you know, kickback from last week's episode or two mm. weeks ago, um, 
the satisfaction is related to the new things that I've done. Those really stick out in my mind in the last last week. Okay. Doing more work with the new medium with oils. That was something new. I had put up unnecessary roadblocks in myself to mm-hmm. actually sit down and do it. Right. Editing videos. It's something that I'm a complete new bat and struggling my way through. And I often will push it off because it just seems overwhelming. But once I get in it and I'm starting to work and I look over and 45 minutes have gone by, I feel good. Right. And I can check those boxes and it's just like, it's a reaffirmation of the work that I'm putting in. Okay. Um, I'm not saying that if it's something that like for you that you, you got to get the video edited by Friday and, and pushed out that that maybe is it. But if there was a way that you wanted to still do that and understand that and add something else to your day, whether that's I want to paint for 30 minutes today for something I'm not going to shoot film on. <laughs> I'm just going to paint for fun. What if Scott did that? <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing like that. You're like, I want to do that. Oh, I want that. <laughs> um, yeah, I can understand that. So it's like a list for stuff that you want to do, but you never yourself find time for it, perhaps. Right. And, and it's not that you don't have the time. You have the time. Okay. You can do it. Debatable. <laughs> no, no, I do. There are, I mean, another good thing is like, in a day, write down everything you do in the time you spend doing it. Oh, gosh. And this is pretty self-damning um, because, I mean, for myself, I take regular breaks and watch 10-minute YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just discovered this new YouTube channel called Two Set Violin, which is these two Asian guys that are hilarious, and they're both classical violinists. And their commentary is hilarious, since I've been, like, binge-watching their channel recently. Um and that, you know, that's, that's killing the productivity. But yeah, so if you ever want to figure out and be a little bit convicted about your work ethic, just in a given day, write a list of other things you do throughout the day and how long. And then you can categorize it at the end of the day for even more conviction. I spent four hours doing not work. <laughs> if, you, if you work, uh, you know, a regular job like don't do myself, <laughs> don't do that and then show it to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you guys are probably all better people than me, and you probably could do that with no shame. Yeah. But not me. <laughs> not me, dude. Holy cow. I was uh, a piece of garbage at uh, my software engineering job. Oh. And that's garbage. here's another reason why I'm feeling good about this list thing is that I slack so much at work. Like, I, I wrote work really hard about 20 hours a week, and I read this interesting article recently about how and this isn't like new science or whatever that Americans simply work too many hours a week and tying this to the public education system. Our, our kids go to are at school for six to eight hours a day, not because they need that much learning or they're doing that much learning because it's tied to our 40 hour work week. And so those schedules need to line up. And so why, and, and the productivity that a person has over a given work week is really can be diluted down to 20 to 30 hours and I'm pr- I'm pretty productive for 20 hours a week at work. <laughs> is, is no one from your job listening to this podcast? Oh, gosh, they probably are going to now. Well, everyone will share that old YouTube video to oh, everyone God, at my work. Don't, don't, don't do John dirty like that. Yeah. Um, so my thought is like, okay, in these times where I've got downtime in my work day, I'm working from home now with my editing rig. I'm sitting at that station. Yeah. Like... It's also my mini painting station too. Conveniently. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
I should crank stuff out in 15 minute or 30 minute intervals and I can get further as a hobbyist. Um, I can, you know, push out to actually creating YouTube videos and not do like what you had to do when you started where you're off at the office for nine hours plus commute, whatever a day and still find time in the mornings and evenings to yeah. make that time. Yeah. So I need to be better than you. I mean, isn't that always your drive? <laughs> No, I look forward to it. I look forward to you being better than me. <laughs> no, you I don't. don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. I don't look forward to that. <laughs> All right, that's it for our intro stories. Thank you for the uplifting idea, Johnson. Does anyone call you Johnson? No. Is that your name? No, it's not. Uh, if I had a son, he would be Johnson. Yeah, I'm just son of John. <laughs> that's where all those last names came from. Are you, you know, sure? Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it just seems it so obvious. Son of John is Johnson, and son of Ron is Ronson. That's not a name. Ronson. <laughs> There's other ones. Ron Swanson is like Ronson. Portmanteau. Ronson. <laughs> Where's the Scotson? There's uh, someone out there. It's gonna be like what last name? Wilson. Scotson? Wilson. Okay. Son of Will. Okay. Um, All right. Okay. I okay. We got to move on because I'm gonna sit here and try to think of more. Okay. Uh, what we painted this week? I started a little commish. Uh, I'm painting Orion, King of the Woods. Uh, who is the king of the wood elves in old Warhammer Fantasy lore? I'm painting the fine cast version. So I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it must not be available or anything anymore. You don't know who Orion is? I keep forgetting that. Like you haven't been playing Warhammer for a decade. No, I haven't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, king of the wood elves. Super cool character. The idea <laughs> you still find more pubes in your mic. <laughs> I think they're dog hairs, actually. Yeah, more than likely. Orion, the the guy, is a super interesting character. It's never the same person. Every single season, the wild riders go out and find a suitable candidate, grab him, toss him in the Oak of Ages, and then he undergoes this transformation process where he uh, inherits the consciousness of the previous kings. Whoa! So he gets their memories, and then in the winter, he dies like a plant. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, and so I remember reading the Orion trilogy, and the head wild rider takes an apple and shoves it into a cavity into his chest where his heart should be, and it grows inside of him until he becomes king in the woods. It's it's really cool. I hope they didn't take that from anywhere else. I'm sure it's inspired, but it's a super cool lore. But yeah, so I'm painting Orion. The model is probably the worst wet off model. Oh uh, no. It sucks, but that's okay. Uh I'm still enjoying it cuz I've been playing a lot of Total War Warhammer recently, mm. and of course your boys playing as the Wood Elves. No, of also I got is. a vampire uh, campaign. But and I'm using Orion as my leader and it's super cool. So I'm excited about that. It's a fun little diorama. It's not a gaming piece. Um so I'm going to use one of those uh Dark Messiah bases that, that we bought together. Oh god. For my birthday I think actually. Yeah. Um so I'm using the, one of the bigger ones and doing some some scenery. I'm going to make my first tree I've ever made before. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool story. <laughs> Somehow I think you're being sarcastic right now. <laughs> that's a really cool story, man. You should tell it again. Wow. Tell it again. Tell it again. So I'm painting a Ryan King in the woods. <laughs> oh, who's a Ryan? No. Only thing I remember about Ryan is it's at the start of movies from like the eighties and nineties or they, at the beginning of movies when they tell you like the publishing company or whatever and they say like the the, the lion is like Rawr. yeah <laughs> there's one that's a, there's one that is orion and it's just like a space shot yeah and i remember i think well, it was like from et and stuff anyway when i think of orion i think of the galaxy is on orion's belt yeah i know yeah 
Yeah, does he have galaxies on his belt? No, he like, doesn't. Does they, do they take like humans? Or they take yeah, humans. They take what else? They take what elves? Sorry, okay. they take what elves? Are the dudes happy to no, become Orion? They're scared. It's like I got a year. I would just spend that year just making fucked up memories. So the next guy was like, "What the hell?" I mean, they kind of do that. Uh, Orion starts the wild hunt, and they go on and just murder everyone in their path, including other elves. They eat people. It's crazy. What else are crazy okay. people? This is uh, Warhammer. Yeah. So. Everybody's a cannibal, we've learned. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Cannibalism. Every, it doesn't matter if you are order, chaos, destruction, or death. Yeah, dude. Everybody eats people. Everybody beating people. Like, okay, guys, what (laughs) elves don't eat people? Come on now. (laughs) They do. Apparently they do. I mean, maybe other elves are tasty. They taste like sweeter. Taste like teriyaki chicken. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'd eat them too. (laughs) If you tasted like teriyaki chicken, I'd probably eat you. You would? If I taste like the best thing in the world, you'd eat me. I mean, like you got you kind of got you got to get over some moral hurdles here in your right. Head. Yeah, no, I probably shouldn't do. That. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if like you died, and as you're dying, you're like, eat I me. taste delicious. I taste like Snicker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. Eat you somebody. can't undo that. No, <laughs> you know, no, like that's staying. You'll forever be known as the person who ate somebody. Right. You would probably just taste like ham. And you'd also probably like grow a third arm. Really? I don't think so. And your 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 children would be mutants. And knowing what you eat though, you probably would just taste like whatever raccoon tastes like cuz they just eat garbage too. Wow. <laughs> I do eat garbage, man. Soda. Like most most Americans, I'm not going to speak for the rest of the world cuz most of them are much healthier than us. <laughs> most Americans just fill their bodies with garbage. So sure. I'm not saying you in particular. Thank you for so, distinguishing. But me. you are an American. Seventy <laughs> percent of Americans are overweight. So are they? Is that what it is? Yes, it is. Seventy percent. Rough. If I wanted to talk about coronavirus right now, I would say, "Hey, that is how you fight the coronavirus." What? I would say, "Be fat, eat healthy, oh, get exercise, boost your immune system with vitamin C and zinc and vitamin D, and you'll." Do much better. You're something of a subject matter expert about the world of medicine, so I feel okay you saying that. Yeah, something, I, something. Yeah, I work very closely with very, very smart people. <laughs> <laughs> so through osmosis, you gain their knowledge, right? <laughs> I can regurgitate. <laughs> All right, what I hear. I painted Orion. You painted Orion. Okay, he's, over, he's, he's right over there. I see a, I see a primed Orion. No, his skin is mostly done. Oh, and his, okay. that, that's the main part of the model. That and leaves. Oh, like his chest is bare. Oh yeah, he's, he's, like, he's bare, and he's got hooves. I think he was the ins- the design of Orion. It's probably the inspiration for the Kernothi. I mean, oh. considering they're called Kernothi, uh, the god of the wild hunt is the god of Kernos, spelled with the same K. Ah! We're finding it. We're finding. We're undigging yeah. the skeletons. What do you think of elves with hooves? I mean, I guess it's kind of like a satyr, right? Yeah, that's what a satyr is. What's your thoughts is. on satyrs? What's your read? What's your what's your take? <clears throat> satyrs in traditional mythology are tricksters. Yeah, yeah, they're and boys, and they they they're they're not warriors. Mm, um, okay. they they will try to get you to do something that you didn't want to do. Yeah, like in Hercules means. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. And Let's... sometimes they're tellers of stories, and they they're players of the pan fl- pan flutes, yeah. pan pipes. Sure. They're not like, today we dine <laughs> on corn blood. <laughs> and then they go march out on top of their big steers and like, ah, and like fight people. That's not, that's not satyrs. Okay. So this is, this is different then. I mean, 
Centaurs, though. Centaurs have hooves. Yeah. They just have more, more bodies. Yeah. <laughs> they just have more hooves. <laughs> but they're badasses. Are they? I Centaurs they, are badasses. I think they look weird, man. Yeah. I mean, it seems really contrived. I mean, do you think minotaurs are weird? Um, a little bit less so. It's that that kind of for me floats into the whole anamorphic vein. Like, here's a raccoon holding a weapon, standing <laughs> on two feet. Like, that's just weird. I don't like any of that stuff. So, by that relation extension, I don't. I also don't like minotaurs. But it makes more sense to me than <laughs> than a centaur. Can you, can you imagine a person's torso, like? on a raccoon's body <laughs> like it just seems so like wow that was uh, that is childish you it's silly bop it's, it just seems weird <laughs> bop it <laughs> yeah twist it yeah exactly uh i just don't it doesn't make sense to me have you seen the reverse centaur where it's <laughs> its lower body and it's a horse <laughs> isn't that bojack horseman isn't that what he is yeah yeah yes. yeah. Uh, yeah it is kind of silly I mean, so how can it be badass if it's silly then? I don't know. They just they're portrayed as is really cool because like, sure, yeah. horses are strong and powerful. Yes, and you put a big beefy man on top of it <laughs> with a big spear and bare chested, long flowing locks. Like, sure, that's kind of cool. Now, would I play an Age of Sigmar army filled with centaurs? No, 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 probably not. Yeah, probably not. Um, that it- one from that Karnathi war band looked pretty pretty cool what if they look like Cro-Magnon man and they weren't centaurs they just had hooves for feet oh how about now would you play them isn't that just the kind of like the beast men of chaos <laughs> yeah but less cooler than beast men. <laughs> less cooler than that less of a goat face <laughs> more of a caveman <laughs> oh me hooves I, I hate the Kronothi warband in, in in underworlds but whatever um yeah you buy it didn't you buy it i thought no i bought the sylvaneth one yeah because those those use the tree revenants uh which are cool that's what i thought what else would become an age of sigmar which is just like half elf half tree things i was like that's like a high fantasy version of what i feel like what else would become in in aos i'd be cool with that a whole army of things like that yeah no so like good ariel she's dick she's dick what (laughs) she's cool i was gonna say she's dope you mean alariel you mean alariel Ariel is from Little Mermaid. No, Ariel is also from Little Mermaid, but also from... uh, Speaking of putting a human and an animal together. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mermaids. Um, Ariel is also uh, the queen of Atholoran. Unlike uh, Orion, she doesn't die every single season. She sticks around, but she's her husband. Her She gets a new husband every year? Kind of, but it's the same guy with the same memories. Ish. But with some new ones. Yeah, that's Ariel. Sorry, Alariel. I forgot her name was Alariel. A once like uh, a high elf priestess one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's cool. She got like the tree branch arm. Mm-hmm. I dig that. Tree revenants cool. The other ones like the spites, tree spites with the weird fangy mouths. Spite revenants. Spite revenants. Those are di- those are cool. I was gonna say dick again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm combining dope and sick and say those are dick, dude. <laughs> All right, that's that's anyway, a new I'll, catchphrase, everyone. <laughs> man, those minis you painted are dick. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just it's stop a good talking. thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, we're taking it back. Yeah, we're taking back. We're taking back that word. Can you please start negative. talking about what you painted and so I can stop talking? <laughs> oh man! All right, I painted some dick things. <laughs> um, I painted two things. Um, I had a paint jam. With my buddies, Josh, last, last Joshy, 
and Jakey. John, not Jakey. This is an in-person paint jam. Oh. Yeah. So he went over to Josh's house and my buddy Blair and my nickname for Blair is Blanche um, okay. from the Golden Girls. I would call him just Witch Project. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, back in the day, Blair and I went to Blair Witch Project in the theaters. Oh, yeah. And, and when I was growing up, I, was, I think I was probably 16 or 17 or something like that. And he drove... And I was, it was, I think it was in the, it was in the summer when I was in college or high school. I can't remember. And, uh, my parents, uh, live out in the country. We have like 40 acres and they're just surrounded by woods and all this stuff. <laughs> and okay. Um, <laughs> I have never been more legitimately scared in my entire life yeah. than the 10 seconds it took me to get out of his car yeah. and to get into my front door. Yeah. Yeah, oh, if, you, if you don't know anything about Blair Witch Project, don't look anything up. Just watch it. Yes. Don't do any searching. Yes. Just watch the movie. Yes. And you especially will... if you're not a horror fan. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch it. It's, it's good. It's it's so incredibly good. And we we saw it opening weekend and knew nothing about it. Yes. Other than it was going to be, it was this, there's a lot of hype and there's something about it supposed yeah. to be amazing. That's yeah. all we knew. Yeah. So out in the woods, we, we go to the 10 o'clock show. It's like, 12 30 when we get back home it is pitch dark my parents are asleep the lights are all off they didn't keep the outside light on Bruh. and the door was locked me in the dark trying to get my car my keys out to unlock the door you're dead I, i'm dead you're i'm dead. just assuming my life is gonna end horribly in this there's moment. no cell phone lights at that at that stage no right? no yeah, nothing uh, yeah. there was no lights i don't care flashlight around weirdo <laughs> I'm just trying to use the force to guide the key and find the right key. That meanwhile you hear rustling oh, in the forest. God. And the thing is too is he doesn't even like wait to leave. Yeah, you could turn the car, turn yeah, the car lights on. The car lights that. were on and he just backed out the driveway and so the lights are gone. I'm like, "You dick." <laughs> uh, so Anyway, I tell you that story to tell you this one. So Blanche was was with Joshy and I, and we were social distancing, even though we play D and D together, and we all don't associate with anything. And some of us have had uh, COVID antibody tests, so we know we're negative. But anyway, um, we got together for uh, an afternoon last week, and we just jammed out and painted for three four hours. And I painted Blanche's character for D and D. Plays mm-hmm. a, he plays a fighter, and he had bought this resin mini, and it was pretty. I thought it was good quality, but it's pretty, pretty shallow details is what I would call it. Okay. And I knocked that out in like three hours and it felt really good. It was fun because we were chatting and laughing and goof around and they had YouTube videos streaming and stuff during the whole time. So I'm not really like actively paying attention as I'm painting. I'm just kind of doing stuff. And Blanche is new to painting. Um, I probably have talked about him before on this podcast is the dude that owns like 7,000 points of Seraphon yeah. and didn't have to paint anything. <laughs> and um, and so I was also kind of helping him and he had a bunch of questions and stuff and just painting his first skinks. And so he felt really good by the end. He got like a unit of 10 all base coated and the weapons all done and red on their crests and all this stuff. And yeah. it looks solid and he built some momentum. And since then he's been painting more at home. That's amazing. And so taking a paint jam to like bring in somebody that's either new to painting or part of your group. And they showed some kind of interest and just help them in the first steps um, can go a long ways. Um, and he was already committed. He had bought a bunch of paints and stuff, has an airbrush and whatever. He just hadn't, taken those first steps yet Very so i painted cool. that dude so we'll show the picture there and then 
I finished the lion, the white lion by Kingdom Death in oils. And the base isn't done yet, but I'll show the pictures of that. That was a course of, of two stages. So with oil paints, they have a longer cure time. And you can add some, this kind of medium stuff. I can't remember what it's called. You can add some medium to it that slightly thins the oil paints a little bit. It just kind of makes them more fluid. They're still thick, um, which is what you want. Um, but it makes them dry faster. But even with that stuff, you're looking at a minimum of 12 hours. Um, and so I had done the first layer of the, the lion and I came back. I let that dry probably for like two or three days because I was just nervous about it. And then I uh, matte varnished the whole thing. And now I did the second layer. And the second layer was almost entirely feathering. Hmm, okay. So I'm going to talk about that in the after party, about something new, very interesting and cool that I learned there. So I, I did that. The crazy thing about that white lion, I'm not saying it's the awesomest paint job in the world, but that I timed that between both stages. The entire working paint time was three hours that it took me. In the blends, yeah, what that would take for acrylic paint, so long. It, it's, it, it's just the world's difference. Yeah, I'm sitting over here like a chump, blending all these muscles on Orion, and I'm like, this is I'm, I'm like in like hour six right now, and yeah. I haven't gotten past the skin. This yeah. is rough. Yep. And so I went back and watched Dimitri's video again after having done like a whole. And I'm going to call that one done. I could go back and I could refine more. I could add more depth. I could go back with acrylic paints on top and really boost it to, you know, like a display quality. But I'm not going to because it looks good now and I'm just happy with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to move on. And um, actually shared it with, I got a new a new contact, a new buddy I've made, Joe from Kingdom Death, who Dan the Man has introduced me to. Dan the Man. And I shared it with the picture with him and his team. And um, he's pretty... He's pretty pumped, so I was cool, like, man. "Yeah, cool, yeah," because um, it's really atmospheric and really a, a painting piece that I tried to draw off the lore. Now I know the Lord KDM lore nerds are going to tell me in this in this lion, it has this like haze of a blue like moonlight that Scott loves so much uh, as a secondary light source. Um, that's got a primary light source of of a lantern that's shining on its face. Like the lion has come out of the darkness. Right. They, the, the last second, they, they hold up the lantern and they see find its him. face. Yeah. But the secondary light source is that blue haze of a of a, a night sky. And I was notified by the KDM lore nerds that in the world of Kingdom Death, there is no light. There is no source of of light in the world like a sun or a moon or anything. The yeah, only light comes... painted black, John. The only light comes from lanterns. And that would be correct, but it would be a much more boring mini. It'd be stupid. It would look stupid. I mean, okay. If there's lanterns... Come on. Okay. If there's lanterns, there's a floor, there are other objects. I think people really underestimate ambient light. Yeah. Um, now maybe it wouldn't be blue, but it's still no. that more of the model would still be like painted, and it wouldn't be like maybe they're, maybe they're not saying it should be pitch black, but yeah, don't don't be sleeping on ambient light. No, Am <laughs> ambient light. Who, who, who is? I mean, <laughs> who who does sleep on ambient light anyway? Right. So whenever you're seeing like in in YouTube videos this funny colored wall, 
you know, that they, they shoot some weird red or blue light or something off the wall to get some more depth of, of field and some more interesting colors in the background. That's all the ambient light off of something. It's not, you're not looking directly at that light source. So right. it's all around us. Yeah. yeah. It's all around us. Yeah. Um, Physics. And it's a, it's a blue cold light and it's a yellowish orange warm light coming from the front. So you're build, playing with contrast there. It makes a more interesting model. Yeah, yeah. I could have done, like you said, some ambient light of lantern somewhere off in the distance from behind to add some more depth from that direction. But would that then also be warm? And then it's just, it would still be probably cool, but not as cool in my mind. In the seven seconds I took uh, to think about this paint scheme before <laughs> I started it. Um, so that's what I painted. Very nice. Very nice. How much? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a not not a big fan of the warm in the front, cool in the back, or vice versa. <laughs> Just like you're not a fan of the ominous red glow from seemingly nothing. Yes. Where is this bright ass red light coming from in this fantasy setting? Cop car right next to him. <laughs> Brr. Oh, fantasy setting. Oh, uh, magic. Magic. The answer to magic all questions. <laughs> There's a fire. Everything there's up. We're always sitting around a fire. Yeah. There's the bonfire. All right. You picked the topic for this week. Yes, I I picked it. Um, I was looking through our list of topics that were submitted by our patrons. And we have one that I took a twist on because I think we there's some good stuff here if we tweak it a little bit. Yeah, so, you really don't want to do the topic that I want to do. I, I don't. I don't remember what it was. You, I want to do Warhammer Fantasy versus Age of Sigmar, where oh I'm Fantasy and you're Age of Sigmar. We just have a little friendly chat. Oh, we argue about them. Yeah, but we could still have fun with it. Okay. But you yeah, don't want we'll, to do it. What? We'll do, do it. it. We'll do it. I just need to like... But now I'm putting it out there so they know. Oh, crap. I just need to go to like 4chan and read up about Warhammer Fantasy so no I one, I have some more knowledge. I'm not I, saying that I... No one ever needs to go to 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> and learn about Warhammer Fantasy. Do you know that story about 4chan? recently no okay i'll tell you after okay <laughs> this is not start for the podcast okay. <laughs> you can make it related if you try hard enough um so i just need to learn more about fort warhammer fantasy i i don't want that podcast to be you teaching me about it and then me reacting to what you're teaching me i think that's less fun sure it is i, I at the same time i'd be fair and i would tell you the things that are wrong with it because there are things that are wrong with fantasy I know. I I already know. I don't know much about it, but I can already tell you a bunch of things that are wrong with it. Well, there you go. You're you're equipped. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. For battle. Okay. So actually, to today's real topic is brought to us by Roar Easterling. So you have to sing it. Roar Easterling. Okay, Roar Easterling. You're That's welcome. <laughs> you can use that as your ringtone. Now. Um, <laughs> Mr. Roar decided he 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 posed this question to us um he wants to look into our styles our mini painting styles and how they differ in what kinds of techniques we use or don't use products we use we don't use and maybe going into the reasonings for those reasons for those differences um so i kind of made a little bit larger umbrella for us to, to stand under in the topic of how to create your mini painting style. What is a mini painting style? What is our mini painting style? Wherever we go with it. So, okay. Can I just say it's incredible. It's, it feels very presumptuous to talk about your style. What is your style? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I've we've probably discussed styles. And I think I've talked to Vince V about it, um, or Useless Wizard, and in, in my interview with him, I think we've talked about mini painting styles before. And, and it's an interesting kind of awkward subject to answer about yourself. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I like to think that for people that actually have a style <laughs> that it's not that awkward so like if someone <laughs> when someone's like mark muscone like what's your style it's like that guy clearly has one like you can see it model after model mm-hmm. people sometimes say to me it's oh, you have a style it's like like yeah i use paint on all my models like <laughs> is it like bad breath where like you can tell somebody else has it but you don't know if you have it yourself maybe like <sighs> yeah I guess smelly breath. Like I didn't know I had a style. Huh. I like hot pink. I don't think a color makes a style. That's what I'm saying. Like, I gotta understand how anything I paint has coherency enough to look like I have a style. Do you feel the same about yourself? Because there are things about your painting that I can tell are John things. Oh, okay. Johnisms. Johnisms. Yeah, yeah, you've called them that before. Yes. Um, and it's not just like samey same. No. <laughs> like painty things. Like painty things. Uh, okay. If I had to quantify it, I would say it's uh, in color choice. I feel like you like to use sepia tones mm. often. Um, I say you have a way of blending that probably is consistent between your models. Not very good. It's not like <laughs> Mikhail Pasarsky, but it's just like a no. style that is consistent. Yeah, sure. Um, this is very uncomfortable. Is it? it I'm not like it. I want you to stop. <laughs> but, <laughs> what? <laughs> but like it's it's weird because it this is this therapy no 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 it's not therapy it's like it's dissecting without giving me anesthesia first <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing surgery right now baby right um it's different than just like critiquing a specific mini because this is like a bigger deal it's like this is about you as a whole it's yeah this one mini that hold on i can I, do better at i have an idea to okay. make this spicy what if we pause the podcast real quick i look at your body of work you look at mine and then we can say this is what i notice is similar because i don't see what's similar in my stuff truly i'm not being humble right now i don't think i have a style other than maybe i use similar colors sometimes mm. and then we can come back and talk about it okay i already have some ideas but i would like to reinforce them by looking at pictures break all right, we're returning back now after having analyzed each other's grams for a smidge. And I think I have, I have, <laughs> what are John's defining characteristics? Okay, what is the defining characteristics of my there's, style? There's two things that I notice a lot. You have these Ben Comet style specular highlights, not specular, sorry, small bright highlights everywhere. But instead of using white like Benny Boy uses for everything, which is like kind of his defining thing, you use different colors, so yellows and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm looking at this orc, I'm looking at its bicep, you have very small lime green highlights. So you can see the highlight, the midtone, and the shadow. They're all there, but the highlight is maybe smaller than what I would do, um, mm. or it's stronger than what I would do. If I look at your dragon scales, you have these very bright, small teal highlights and white highlights, and you have a big midtone that's kind of more blue, mm. and then a darker one that's like dark blue, purpley. Uh, same with this little uh, cute uh, sorcery chick with the pink uh, thing. What is this? <laughs> it's a crystal at the end of her staff. Oh, a crystal, yeah. <laughs> uh, the crystals. <laughs> uh, uh, very, very bright specular highlights on top of her cheek and on her lips, um, maybe in her forehead, but they're small. They're small. Another thing that I noticed is that you seem to like 
like I said earlier, the color sepia a lot. Uh, you see it in your skin tones, in your browns. Um, everything, it seems like it's gone through an Instagram filter <laughs> of warmth. Ah. I don't know if you do a whole lot in cold. I don't think you do. Interesting. It's mostly warm. Really? That's confusing. Elements of what you've painted have been cold in the past. Like some of the flesh of your guild ball team has been cold. Uh-huh. But the rest of the details, the grays, the hairs, the leathers, the white cloths, they're all warm. Oh, I don't paint a lot in cold. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe it's like a 70-30 thing. Sure. Yeah, you know what Enough I mean? to be noticeable. Yes, absolutely, absolutely enough to be noticeable. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. And I think one caveat as you were explaining that is is for all of us is if you were to do this with a friend or you were to come over and Scott and I were to check out your Instagram feed that nothing is is um is set in stone. Right, yeah. So yeah. you will evolve over time and the longer you paint, I feel like the longer you've been painting, the more solidified your style becomes. But if you've only been painting for a shorter period of time, the more drastic changes can happen because you maybe haven't gotten into what your groove is or really found what really style you like. Um, I'll also say that it doesn't feel like, I don't know about you, I don't feel like I'm ever like trying to paint in a certain style no i'm not like no. well this wouldn't be like me i'm not gonna do yeah this. I, that, no I never do that no you just kind of go with with what works for you all right scotty style scotty style that's like animal style <laughs> Ooh, yummy animal style mm. i love those those onions that are all on the grill mm. good stuff mm. uh we're gonna when we go to cali, cali we totally need to go to animal oh, yeah, absolutely yeah yes okay i'm so hungry <laughs> um so weird thing about Scotty's style is I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't find it. Could, it doesn't exist. It's like a Sasquatch. Um, I if I were to see a a uh, a lineup of five minis, all the same minis, one of them was painted by you, four were painted by four other people. I am ninety percent confident I could pick out yours. That's super interesting. Yeah. And if it was, if you, if that was done 10 times with 10 different minis and you painted one and there was four other ones, I'm pretty sure I'd get at least eight out of 10, right? Okay. But when tasked with how do I communicate that, how I know it's yours, that's much more difficult. It is. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that, that I kind of stand out in your style to me. Um, the first one is I will say that you are you're pretty universally clean in your paint style. Okay. Okay. And what I mean by that is um you're very definitive in changes in um different aspects of the miniature. The recess shading and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where one surface meets another, everything seems to be fairly clean. Where one um where it's a different fabric meets a a piece of metal or whatever, those those delineations are all clean. Um, your highlight is pretty universally clean, and the shadows are pretty universally clean, and they're all pretty well segmented into about forty. I'm not going to get the math right here. Fifty percent <laughs> midtone, twenty five percent shadow, twenty five percent highlight. It's okay. it's quite scientific 
how yours, your minis um, keep a consistent roadmap that way. The only differentiator I see in that is in when you do NMM where yeah. you have to be more Swimming. drastic. Yeah. And I can tell that you put a lot of effort into pushing those things in that, um, you know, in the metallics for them to read to the eye as, as metals. Yeah. Most everything else is very uh, universally appealing to the eye because it's all something that I, it feels very even in that 50, 25, 25 across the board. Um, you use a lot of layering in much of your of much of your painting, okay. And it has a look, and I see that look in your painting. Hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Sure. Yeah. No. Well, what can you quantify that? What does that mean? Um, you can you see steps and colors? I don't say that I can that I can like differentiate where I where I'm I'm seeing where the colors stop. Okay. It's in the same way that, um, and I don't get a big head with this. It's in the same way that I can tell that style of, of how Rodrigo Acore paints. Oh, yeah. Me and Rodrigo. <laughs> yeah. Style where, brothers. Where he's <laughs> style brothers. <laughs> where you could tell it's layers of paint that are, that are built up with a brush over multiple, multiple passes. And so that they're building on each other. Um, and there's not a lot of in there. I, you do it in some things, but there's not a lot of variations of color. So if you're doing a skin tone mm-hmm. mm. and you're doing a layering build up and work down, then it it's in that family. Yeah. And it stays in that family. Sure. No, I, I totally get that. And this has been something that I've been analyzing about Spanish painters. Mm-hmm. Like you saw the Mordred's uh, paint job. Yep. There's so much. There's so much color going on everywhere right. on the model. Yeah, yeah. that the, this is not. This color is happening, but it's not necessarily that the fabric was that color. Right. There's just there's back to ambient lights. Yeah. There's some ambience or some other atmosphere that's in play here. Yeah. And my eye knows that that belt isn't red, but there's red on the belt. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll show that model later when we talk about that thing. Um. But yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Kind of, those are the big things that stand out to me about yours, and it probably isn't something where you're like, "Oh, of course, I didn't see it this whole time, and now I see it." I no, it makes sense. Um, I don't know about you, but this was therapeutic for me. Yeah, you told me this thing that I've never noticed, and now I feel like I have ownership over that, and it's like this: this is me. It makes sense. I, I grew up on GW painting style. Mm-hmm. So it was always cleanliness was the hugest thing. Having those lines of definition between each detail is something that I've always think about and talk about. I always say that recess shading is the unsung technique mm. um, to have that differentiation. Um, I just never thought that it was like a, a part of a style though. It's yours is very crisp and you're not a, well, one thing that you do really well, much better than me is that you'll have a, light colored or bright colored object butted right up to something else. Let's say there was an arm. Okay. And then the guy had a bracer and the arm could be a pale skin color. And the Mm -hmm. bracer is a dark Brown. And you're not afraid to go that light skin right up to where that bracer hits. And then there's a super dark line. And then you move right into that, the, the dark Brown and it looks clean. That's not as easy to pull off 
as as it sounds. And that's something that when you can have that stark contrast like that, it really, especially from a distance, but you know, even at a foot or two feet away, it really helps the eye absorb what they're looking at from a miniature, from something so small. So you're good at that. I want to hug you, bro. <laughs> you can't. We're on the other side of the table. Coronavirus too. You can't hug. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. It was that was hobby therapy for me right there. Good. I'm glad that you shitting on this topic is changed. (laughs) Okay. So I encourage you, if you're a budding miniature artist, you got another friend who's kind of in a similar skill level as you, a similar interest level as you, why don't you just take a moment, swap bodies of art, and just be like, hey, this is what I noticed is consistent about you. It can help you to be more aware of what you're doing so that if you want to make a change, you can. Or it can give you like a feeling of sovereignty over your hobby. Like I have a consistent style, whereas otherwise you might not have believed you did. Mm-hmm. So often we we are emulating in this hobby. Oh, yeah. I mean, even folks that are have a, a style or have been painting for a long time are trying to learn new skills or trying to improve at a certain technique. Are You start by emulating. That's typically how learning works. You emulate and then you can improvise and, and adapt to yourself. Um, so it's very hard to put in your own brain that you have something yeah. when you just are so used to your brain going to emulating. Yeah. Um, and that's really okay. That's that. I mean, you may come back and you, you swap instas with a friend or something and they're like, these five minis, I'll look completely different. I, I'm struggling to figure out. Oh what yeah, your style if, you're, is. if you're in this discovery phase, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's a good thing. You shouldn't be like, oh, all my minis should kind of look or feel similar. No, yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. I mean, it'll happen organically, and some things you will shed over time, and certain things you will become more prevalent in your painting over time. But you telling me certain things about the way in which I do specular highlights it's funny because i i never thought about that but that's totally from emulating bed comments yeah a little small bright highlights but you yeah. you, you changed it though it's yeah. not just white it's different colors yeah haha <laughs> ben i'm better than you <laughs> i just don't use the schminka the schminka well only the schminka <laughs> i also use the schminka <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so i think you had a pretty good thesis there and this is something we've definitely discussed in the podcast before is about how to create a personal style and it's uh, it's just about painting, shedding the things that you said that you don't want to keep and inheriting new things that you discover. But I think there's more to it than that. I think we're, we'll discuss that in this podcast. I think a lot of style is dictated by what models are available to you, mm. what materials and tools are available to you. Mm. Like I bet my style would look different had I not painted with scale of 75 paints for the last four years. Yeah. And like use P3 paint instead. Um, so I, f- I feel like I want to say more about that, but not, I've run it to the end of the, uh, <laughs> of the thought. It, yeah. It's based on what you have is a portion of it. I think a great example of this. And when you said scale 75, I just had a little bulb that went up in my head, but it was like a, you know, it was an old candescent one. So it yeah. Wasn't. The cool ones. Yeah. You know, and it, it you know, it, it's bad little, energy efficiency. Little, little bit of warmth. Yeah. Yeah. Give you a little cancer. <laughs> Um, so when you talked about scale 75, it made me immediately think of Cujo. Cujo. So if you're not familiar with Cujo, go watch his YouTube videos. Great painter. And you will immediately recognize Cujo's style. And Cujo's style, sorry, Cujo, if you never realized this, 
your style is intrinsically linked to the paint you use and how that paint functions best. Yeah. And that is scale 75. And that is very thin layers um, on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. And even if that is building texture underneath and building little scratches, but then the thin paint over top of them to build up to some very vibrant tones and very bright highlights. But in that way, his his painting is clean because you're kind of forced. You can't. With, with that kind of constant heavy glazing mentality, no one layer is going to fuck up your paint job. Right. But you've got to get 12 straight layers all working together for what you're trying to achieve for you to have a successful paint job. Yeah. In some ways, it's really difficult because very like, difficult. you don't notice you're on the wrong track until, no. yeah, until later. And it's like, oh, crap. You have to be very conscientious about when you're layering is like making smaller and smaller and smaller adjustments um, on a miniature in the first place. So it's really difficult. Yeah. When I was new to painting, that was a f- his style. First of all, I watched a lot of his videos when I first started, um, as well as there was a number of other folks that were pretty prevalent that used a similar style, that building up like what I would call a heavy glaze consistency of building up over time. I think he coined it as fat glazing. Fat glazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fat bottom glazing. Um, he, I could, I tried it. I did it a lot and I thought that was the way I was supposed to do it. I do not have the patience for painting like that. Yeah. I learned that. I'm yeah. like, I would rather go with my, my flex baraboo style of wet blending, getting some drastic color variations quickly. And then I can use that glazing. Because like just like you said, I never know if I'm on I'm on the right track or not, or if I'm close enough or I'm far enough away. Mm-hmm. And if you screw it up a bit, and you can see those kind of those lines, well, if I then glaze back down to the recesses, now I may have just f- fucked up the whole shape of the thing. <laughs> and it, it's just I, I maybe just don't know how to better work on the fly with that style of painting. Okay, but his style of painting is so so clean and so good. Yeah. Um, I can see why he doesn't crank out a video every week though, because of how many hours it probably takes for him to paint those sure, yeah. beautiful miniatures. Yeah. Cujo's great. He's wonderful. I was trying to think about how I would conduct that experiment where I paint a miniature and X number of people paint the same miniature using literally the same colors. So we're all limited to the same 20 paints and they're all the same pose and everything. And someone, you know, looks at them and tries to find the one that I painted. And then I could even tell them, like, Cujo painted one, ML painted another one. Mm-hmm. They could even try to identify all of them if they wanted to. But it's hard to think of someone, because I can think of plenty of people who are better than me at painting. It's hard to find someone who paints kind of the same level as you, mm-hmm. so that the comparison is, is good. Like, I'm not going to compare myself to a bunch of amazing spanish painters or any you know well like you that. said rodrigo Acore. i said you guys are very similar in style, your style brothers style <laughs> style brothers i was getting him to do it you won't tell the difference right right dude that's good that's like a movie poster where it's just called style brothers style. you guys are like back to back got like a paintbrush maybe <laughs> yeah 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 definitely coming to 2029 <laughs> um yeah that's hard i think when you say you had to use the same paints too that's that would make it even more difficult. Yeah. Because some of that decision-making guess, is on paints. Yeah. The style would be dictated. The the, the colors would be dictated by your style, mm-hmm. I, I suppose. So maybe you'd just be like, paint this thing blue. And you could interpret blue however you wanted to. Right. Oh, I, I like that. If you had the basics 
and be like pale flesh tone, um, warm clothing, blue, I don't know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let them interpret how they want to. Yeah. But I think even the decision-making process of how do you how you look at a miniature and approach how it should be painted or what, yeah. what your mind tells you, that's, that's style there too. Even how you put it together and how you convert it and mm. even what subjects you pick to paint. There's That's a true. lot, yeah. It's true. A lot of me understanding a Roman Lapotte mi- miniature is not even looking at the paint job. Right. It's looking at his choice of of sculpture. Yeah. And the stories telling in the atmosphere he creates for it. All that stuff. Yeah. Is is there? So style isn't just what happens when the the paint hits the mini. I just thought of a funny thing. You know how like the, you have like those workplace things where it's like zero days since an accident. Yeah, we need a workplace thing that says three podcasts since we mentioned Roman Lapot. <laughs> back to it's zero, always zero. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that's another thing. Subjects you pick, the ways you pose them, the paint you use, the the techniques you use, uh, the colors you pick, um, the materials you use. Everything goes towards defining what your style is. Mm-hmm. And your style doesn't start to be defined the first day you pick up a paintbrush and hold a mini. Yeah. It's it's tied to your your story, your life, your experiences. Yeah. Prior to even being engaged in this yeah. hobby. So if you grew up listening to, you know, death metal, or you grew up listening to Alanis Morissette, <laughs> um you the, the, the kinds of things that may show in your work might be different. You know, if you grew up out in the country, if you grew up in Compton, you would have different aspects that would make their way into your painting style. Yeah. So don't put the pressure on yourself to find your oh, style. Yeah, please do not do that. Yeah, because I feel like you're you're putting an unnecessary burden on yourself that's going to only end up hurting you. Yeah, it's going to only end up making you frustrated. It's going to only end up making you think that that this painting thing is a bigger thing than it really needs to be. It will happen. I think taking a step back and being, uh, you know, scientific and analyzing your body of work up to a certain point and seeing what connections you can see. Um, to define your style and asking others to do the same will help you grow. Um, but I also don't know if style makes you a good mini painter or a bad mini painter or a better mini painter if you've got more style. I would say it's 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 neither. I would say it's something that happens naturally over a period of time of painting. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a case to be made that if your painting isn't unique, it's less valuable. Mm. But like, valuable to who? Right. To other people? Screw them. Right. Right. You're doing this for yourself. Paint like Darren Latham all you want. Um, who cares if it's not different? So, who would uh, want to paint like Darren Latham? Masochists. <laughs> uh, I could see arguments for both sides. Like, if you're like in a competition and like you're looking for new, bright, cool, creative painters. Someone walks in, paints something like heavy metal, you're going to be like, yawn. I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here with that bullshit. Bullshit. But yeah, at the same time, it's like you're painting for yourself. So do it what you like, what you think looks good. For the record, I would like to paint like Darren Latham. I Who think wouldn't? I'd win a whole bunch of golden demons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Like, hey, this dude that is a judge and paints really freaking good. I should just paint like him. Progenitor of like the Games Workshop F Metal style. Yeah. Yeah. What if I just like chopped off his arm and put it in my arm? Put it in your arm? Yeah. Can you describe the logistics of this, please? Yeah. I would just cut a hole here on my elbow and then I would connect where his forearm hits the elbow socket and then I have two forearms that come off of my elbow. Can you describe how you'd cut a hole in your elbow? Um, With a circular saw. With a circular saw, with yeah. like a with a like a contractor skill saw, like yeah. wouldn't that just cut your arm off? No, you, you you're just you're just grazing it. You're just like you're oh, putting it you're on cutting there. the plateau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, okay, I was thinking you'd, you'd use like a hole saw and then super glue and then super glue. Yeah, Darren, let me know if you're down for this experiment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could see it working. I could see uh, why wouldn't it work? Blood loss because science, blood loss. Frankenstein. I, well, he doesn't need to worry about the stump afterwards. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll make a trip to England. All right. Exacto knife in hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd have to buy one there. We can't take it on the plane. A little bit of anesthesia. No, we can't go to Europe. Ah, oh, dang it. All right. Postpone until COVID is cured. Right. Yeah. And they're like, America, you're a bunch of flaming idiots. You can't come into our country. <laughs> Actually, we liked you not being here. <laughs> We're going to yeah. just extend this. <laughs> yeah. Indefinitely. We're, yeah. I, and to be honest, I understand. <laughs> I, I actually understand. snuck on an airplane with an exacto knife and they knew I had it and they didn't care. Oh, really? Yeah. I went to Canada to teach a, a class and I had a bunch of paints and I, they, I opened it for them and I was like, I'm teaching a class in Canada about miniature painting. They're like, all right. And I closed it and I was on my merry way. They didn't care. Weirdly, really weird. That's weird that they wouldn't allow that. But every time I go on a plane, I get like full cavity search because I have um, all my uh, diabetic stuff. It's because you're a drug dealer. Yeah. And I have needles and I have pokey things and I've got drugs and vials and stuff. Yeah. You're bringing over insulin to Canada and selling it. I bring it out on it like they want you to do in a clear Ziploc baggie and I put it on top of everything else. I ain't hiding shit. And they're still like, is there anything in here that could hurt me? I'm like, well, technically, yeah, you could get poked. Like your scan shows you that. Like you've never seen a diabetic before and still they have to like, and then they have to unload all of my stuff. This is what I have to look forward to going on a plane with yeah. you. Uh, they're going to like make snide comments about how much candy I bring in my suitcase because I bring so much candy. Why do you bring candy? Because I mean, it's, it's a trip and we need to be excited. <laughs> <laughs> they're like M&M's and Starburst and a, a king size Snickers. Yeah. Well, no, you get a whole bag of the fun size. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you freeze them first. And Reese's Cup. Dude, Reese's Cups. And the lion and bars. fun dips, lion bars, dude. Lion bars. Never had a lion bar. Never had a lion bar. Lion bar is the the sleeper candy bar. Okay, of, I'm down with this. I'm a, I'm a hipster of like, our generation. I like sleeper things. Um, they come from England. However, I first found them in Florida. Okay, at a little grocery store in Florida, and I'm like, lion bar. This looks delicious. It is like, it's like if a Kit Kat had sex with a Carmelo. <laughs> you know what Carmelo is? I think it's something full of caramel. Yeah. Okay. You know what a Rolo is? Yes. Okay. It's a Kit Kat fucking a Rolo. <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is it rectangular in shape? It looks like a big fatty Kit Kat. Like with like a layer of caramel. A thick layer of caramel. Okay. There might be something else in there too that's funky, but it's amaze balls. They sell them at High V, 
So Hy-Vee is special. They got weird things there. I'm told they they sell them at Hy-Vee, but I haven't checked in Rochester because it, uh, if I buy candy, I'll eat it also. I have a problem. You're a candy man. Uh, yeah, I'm the candy man. <laughs> got a hook for an arm. <laughs> right. Say my name into the mirror, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Seen that one? Judge me. <laughs> They're making a new one produced by the one and only Jordan Peele. What? Oh yeah, yeah. the candy man is black. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, there's like there's not a, there's not a lot of black representation in horror movies, and I that's yeah, one reason I really like the token black man dying first. Yeah. Other than that, oh, yeah. but but. Jordan Peele did what is it? Get out. Is yeah, that, that was fucking scary as crap. Get out was great. And yes, yeah. he did us. Oh, not a big fan of that one. Um, it was still good, but I just feel like it ran out of juice in the first yeah. uh, ten minutes. But it was still good though. Mm. Um, I'm excited to see what he'll do with Candyman. He's producing it. Okay, so he's not directing it or writing it. I think. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, it's gonna be good. This is all miniature related. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. Are we done with style? Do we crank that style? Yeah. Do we? St- are we stylistic with your style, brother? Apparently, I have one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna re-reference the uh, the question by Roar Easterling. Roar Easterling. How our styles differ from each other? What kind of tech techniques you use and we do did. not use? We did that. Products and maybe going into some of the reasons for those differences. And so I think yeah, we touched on the reasons. Like one of the reasons that you paint the way you paint. Is from the like the traditional GW background? Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's not something you're consciously like. Every time you're sitting on the brush, you're like, "Neat to paint it like the box art." Like that's not what you do. But it's like you're just really good at working up those layers in that style. Mm, yeah. And so you you can you can do that. Me, what what things led to that is watching seventy two straight hours of painting Buddha Paint videos. Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then from there, really learning a lot from Sam Lenz. I think that I, not only taking his class in person, but watching a buttload of him on Twitch and, and learning how he makes decisions and how he works with paint, um, I really like that. So I take some of that, I take some of this, and I mix it around, mix it around add some BS what I'm trying to learn as I go. Toss in a witch finger and a pair of toad legs. <laughs> You got a magic potion. <laughs> oh, a little boy. John sauce. A little John sauce. You don't want too much no. of that. Yeah, it's it's toxic to the body. Ooh, cane sauce on the oh, hand. We have a little cane sauce in there, dude. A little tendy. Baby. <laughs> all right, so there's style. There's style for you. Y'all got style. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. It happens naturally. Don't strive for it. Just paint stuff. All right. I, I, I want to go back and look at my stuff now that now that we've had this discussion, yeah. I've learned something about me. Great. Yeah. I'm happy to have provided that for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, awkward. I'm going to respond to that one. All right. On to the news. Newsy news. We got some newsy news. We got some newsy news that's so in the pocket. Okay. Let's just talk about, I don't, I don't know what's on there, but I want to talk about Echoes of Camelot first. Spamalot. First of all, Big fan of Arthurian lore. I told you this earlier. Mm-hmm. My first foray into the world of fantasy was with that. Um, I had a few books that I read. Um, so I liked it a lot. It was cool. I digged it. Dug it. <laughs> dug it. Yeah. Dig dug it. Big Child Creative came out with this. Uh, did you make a reference? I didn't yeah, get it. Yes, I did. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> 
Big Chop Creative came out with a cool new Kickstarter featuring 75 millimeter scale display miniatures in the Arthur Arthur lore, Knights of the Round Table, and all the casting crew, uh, like Mordred and uh, other characters I can't think of right now. <laughs> uh, I think it's eight total people. We got Sir Kay, we got Galahad, we got 12 total. Percival. Is it 12? Was it, was it, it was two rings with six. Yeah, there's like a pie chart. Pie chart, yeah. Like a secondary ring of pie chart. Yeah. And at first they're like, I was like, where's King Arthur? But he came out finally. He's the yeah, last he one. He was there. number 11. He's number 11. Oh, yeah, there's still a 12th one coming Yeah, that's out. the social media one where they got to hit so many likes and shares. And uh, they just put it out this morning. Sneaky. Sneaky. Yeah, likes and shares on both Instagram and Facebook. And then they will unlock that one. But mm-hmm. it wasn't an absurd amount that they needed to hit. So you can tell, like, they already have somebody had painted this thing. So they right. need to hit it. Right. They got Uther. They got Lancelot. Uther Pendragon. Yeah. Wow, is he German? He is moon favorite. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lady in the Lake, Green Knight, all kinds of great stuff. Morgana and her boob. Morgana. What's with you and not liking Morgana? Like she was Celtic, you know? She was weird and like druidic. Having boobs out, that's kind of part of the course, isn't it? I don't know if it is. I, I mean, I get the whole like boobs out and miniature subjects is kind of like a th- Like really, I get it. Yeah. Like, I this would kind of make sense. That's something we have written down as a podcast topic that we're too scared to actually do. Okay, you're kind of giving it away right now. Yeah, but now I guess we're going to have to. No. Nope. Nope, not going to do it. That's not a cross I'm gonna ready to get hammered into. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I I get the Morgana Morgana thing. Where's Uther's? Where's Arthur's wife, Guinevere? That's a good question. Maybe she's the last. No, she's, she's not she played the, a big role. Yeah, she's not the she's, last one. Though. She's evil. Well, they also have Sir Kay on there. And yeah, like well, Sir Kay, like that was one of the first ones. I was like, who cares about Sir Kay? Yeah, yeah, he's pretty minor in the nice grand, round table. Yeah, in the grand scheme. Of okay, sidebar related to. There is an A24 produced movie that is Arthurian lore, also related to Sir Galahad and the Green Knight and their their uh, fight. It's horror fantasy produced by A24, and it was supposed to come out in May and obviously got delayed. Very excited for it, though. I didn't know of this. I'll show you the trailer. It's amazing. I'm, oh, man. It's everything that I love put together. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, I'm, that's all I had to say. So they eat chicken tenders around the old knights of the table. And yeah. <laughs> the, okay. You, you like chicken, chicken tenders? Okay, I'm gonna break some hearts right now. I'm cool with chicken tenders. They're cool, but they're not amazing to me. Oh, they're so amazing. I couldn't eat it every single day. I could. Yeah. So that that's the level. I like them. They're good, dude. Wings though. Wings, wings. every day. A good wing. I could do a good wing every single every day. single day. Yeah, dude. I think. I mean. I'm a tendy fan mostly because of canes, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. I like some tendies, but I'm not going to like get Arby's tendies every day. Tendies can really easily be, be, be bad. Yes. Very easily. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of boxes that need checking. Yeah. Mostly just for me to eat your chicken. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, most of it is just don't overcook the damn white meat because it's white meat, right? So yeah, get it dry, can... turn into sand wings. You don't want that. And oftentimes if it's a frozen pre-breaded thing, yeah. like I can tell bro, you ain't, you ain't passing nothing off. You know what dry tendies are called? They're called sandies. Oh. Sandy tendies. Yeah. We need to send these, these back through the drive-thru window. I take none of these drendies. No, no, no. <laughs> but a nice, crispy, flat, juicy from them wingies with a nice vinegar sauce. Ooh, a.k.a. I mean, that's, canes. That's just the thing is, and you, there's such a variety 
of sauces for my bone-in wings. I like how we got from Arthurian lore to tendies. <laughs> Everything. I don't see why it's that different. Everything is tendies. Right. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. That's a problem. We shoot this right before lunch. Yeah. I get so... It's like, you're wondering why we always talk about meat and potatoes. Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why. Anyways, you got a problem I got with a problem. this Kickstarter. Okay. And I just... I'm going to sit back and let you do you. Yeah. I got a problem with this Kickstarter. First of all, the minis are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of them. There's so many. It's 12. That's a lot of minis. And I, I decided on two. I'm going to get two. Uh, I need to talk about this later because okay. they, they got a thing where you can, it's four, you know, because two is going to cost you a hundred. Bro. Four costs you 150. Yes. Let's do that. You and I? Yes. Two first. Okay. All right. Okay. I see you. I see you. <laughs> I see what you're saying. All right. So, and they're reasonably priced. And you get, I mean, are they 50 yeah. euros? No, it's not. Isn't it five years over? Isn't yeah. 45 kind of the sweet spot? They're kind of big and chunky though. They are. They're yeah. big. It's a lot of resin. They're like space marine, fantasy space marine Ooh, kind of chunk, yeah. you know? And you get bonus pieces. You want a separate head for a different Arthur head? Boom. They give it for you. Man. Okay. Dude, the Uther model? Uther. That, here's my problem with Uther. Is the same problem I have with everything that Michael Prasarsky paints. I don't want to paint it now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my problem with Uther is he looks younger than an Arthur. Right. And Uther's yeah. just, but it's just the beard thing. But it gives me the perspective that he's just like a young boy. Anyways. Yeah. I, I, they're not ex like on the same timeline all these characters are for their age and everything. Um, so I had two problems. First one's really minor in that this it's not adhering to the actual lore of it is. of. The Knights of the Round and the Camelot, what whatever. How? Tell me how. Okay. Because the Galahad, is that why? Because Merlin is a creepy old swamp dude. Is he? Yeah, look at Merlin's. He's, he's got a weird blade thing. Yeah, it's like a weird scythe staff. But he's got like, he's got the, he's got the raven motif. Because doesn't Merlin turn into a raven and fly around and stuff? Yeah. Okay, so he's got that. But on. he's holding a weird owl that has a peacock feathers for its butt. Yeah, it's weird. And you know what? I'm okay, and I'm okay with this. Like they're taking their own creative liberties to make cool ass minis, and I'm cool with that. You know, I would rather that than you just going on Wikipedia and looking at traditional pictures of these characters and just making mini of that. That would be boring as fuck. So here's my problem. I'm looking at you, Lance, a lot. <laughs> I got a big problem here. All right, and we're gonna show a picture on the screen of this picture of Lance a lot. <laughs> And um, and if you're listening to the podcast right now, pause it. Go out to the Kickstarter because the Kickstarter is still live. Wait, they just pause it. They can't hear this right Shit. now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, then pause. Listen, and next time I say pause, not right there, but the next time I say that word, then then you then do that thing. Um, go out there, find the painted version of Lancelot, okay, and tell me what's wrong with it. Pause. Okay, we don't have to pause. Yeah, we, sorry, I thought it meant I had to pause. Painted by Mark Musclon, which your boy, he's amazing. Style brothers. Yeah, that, that is a great paint job. Yeah. The problem, you will notice that Lancelot in his left hand is holding a bow. Bow. What's wrong with the bow, Scott? Nothing. Nothing you already know what's bow. wrong because I already told you because I bitched about this earlier. <laughs> the bowstring, when attached to that bow, runs outside his forearm outside his forearm i repeat 
outside his forearm. I love how big a deal this is. This is is so fucking stupid because it's such a minor thing that they could have changed but did not change. (laughs) You can't fire a bow with a string outside your forearm. Have you seen Legolas? Yeah, you find me a scene where he uses the bow outside his forearm. The string does not grow outside your forearm. Oh, I'm a big, bad Arthurian knight. I'm going through the great dark woods, and there's some big old direwolves in here. If I'm holding my bow like that, I'm dead. Bro. Because I cannot shoot them. Spin move. <laughs> sick. Sick. For the, sick for the camera. True. Slay some direwolves. Yeah. It's so silly and so easily rectified. And I know you're saying, John, you're blowing this out of proportion. Because that's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do. That's what yeah. But that is terrible. That's a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. It's a Travis I, sham mockery. A Travis sham mockery. Whenever someone gets all hot and bothered about like weapon stuff in like medieval and fantasy context, I, I, it just makes me happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> like I, I converted those those vampires and I gave uh, one of the chicks boob armor, and I got a bunch of nerds like. Actually, that doesn't make any sense because it would reflect the arrows into her face. It's like, shut up, you idiot. I think it looks cool, so I don't care what you think. Uh, yeah. And so I, I think uh, I think Hugo Gomez and uh, Nunez, the illustrator, are going to be like, we don't care what you think, John. <laughs> Suck our Spanish dicks. <laughs> they, they have every right to do that. <laughs> and they have hundreds of thousands of euros coming in their pockets that <laughs> yeah, back dude. them up. Yeah, I think it's crushing right now. It, is, it made way more money in the first day than I thought. Now yeah. is the time to strike the hot iron of Kickstarter. Hell yeah, bro. Because people are hitting, sitting around. You got money in hand. Money in hand. And they are bored of not being able to see other people. They need something cool to excite them to purchase to eventually paint that they never will. Let's be honest. Most of these display miniatures, I wish I could have access to this data. If you look at every display miniature ever painted and what percentage of them are still sitting gray right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're like these really awesome painters, like I'll say Trent Dennison is a great example. Trent Dennison knocks out like 14 display miniatures a month. That dude does... Painting cocaine. Yeah. Woo! Like, nonstop. Yeah, he crushes. Yeah, like him and Vinci V need to get together and just like find the powerhouse. The, yeah, like that's the Avengers Hero. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Vinci V is Tony Stark and Trent Dennison yes. is Ant Man. No, he's Thor. He's <laughs> Thor. What? <laughs> Trent's Australian. Thor, the actor's Australian. Come on. Is he? I thought he was uh Kiwi. No, don't ever make that mistake again. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Like, that. I, now I'm blanking on his name. Mark Manganiello is going to... No. <laughs> oh, what's his name? What's the dude that... Joe Manganiello? No, the guy who plays Thor. Oh, I don't know his name. I'm, I, I'll, I'll know when I hear it, but I can't think of it right now. Ian McClellan. No. <laughs> Ian McClellan. <laughs> um, he ain't going to hear this podcast and give me crap but although no trent dennison oh uh, oh are you you thinking you thought trent was a kiwi no oh okay i don't know i was thinking that that actor was yeah i know that trent's a nazi but he seems more like a paul rudd kind of guy i mean i don't know i don't know him that is a compliment is it because yeah because i think that 
Vince never sleeps, and that's why he can paint so much. Did you see his comment yeah, on how yeah, many fucking yeah. armies he has painted? 17? Seven? Was it seven? Or something with seven in it. No, it's just, it was either seven, 77? 16, or... <laughs> 77. Um, 66 times. <laughs> see if anyone gets that reference. Um, Not me. I don't expect you to. Um, <laughs> At this point. Uh, uh, armies of points, 2,000 to 7,000 points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was 16 armies. Paints 40 hours a week. Okay, so that's how he's like Tony Stark, because Tony Stark is insatiable. Uh, never sleeps because he does so much cocaine. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Yes. <laughs> so I see him as more of Robert Downey Jr., and I see Trent Dennison as Paul Rudd. I'm sticking to my guns on this. Paul one. Rudd definitely has the coolest Marvel movie, I think. Ant- the first Ant-Man is a fantastic movie. Partially because yeah. it's mostly written and directed by Edgar Wright, who makes great movies. It, they allowed Paul Rudd to be Paul Rudd, be Paul Rudd, yeah, in the best way possible. And he's he's perfect for the role. But yeah, yes. I'm sticking to my guns. Thor, Trent, who'd rather be fucking Ant Man or Thor? Dude, you can be Ant Man. You can go up someone's urethra and then go to full size, <laughs> dude. Thor can't do that shit. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't need to <laughs> to blow up your dick. <laughs> Dude, that is so dick. <laughs> you see what A-Man just did right there? That's so dick. You can't you can't electrocute something that's tiny as an air. Can't hit it, it's too small. No, exactly. Okay. Yeah, dude, Thor penis would just be exploded. <laughs> I mean Thor is a literal god of mythology. Yeah, you watch those movies though, he doesn't seem like a god. Yeah, he does. No, he doesn't because they're like, oh, Thor can't do these things and all the bad guys come. Well, if he like if it was really the comic books and all Thor can handle like everything, it wouldn't be a 2-hour movie to get Thor to just come in and be like, okay. I think the coolest part of the entire Avengers series, which is I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> oh, Trent Dennison being Ant-Man. Yeah, okay. We're we're back. We're back. Uh the coolest part of that whole series is I don't know which Avengers movie it is, but it's when Thor finally gets Stormbreaker. He loses Mjolnir and he gets Stormbreaker and he shows up in that in Wakanda, that okay, that isn't Endgame. It's one before Endgame. Uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. He shows up. No, it's not Infinity War. It's one before that. No, no, it is Infinity War. It is. It, 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 it. He's got Stormbreaker. He shows up in Wakanda. All those things are like running to that that bubble and like and like dying yeah, on yeah. it. And he shows up and he just owns. Okay. Doesn't he like boomerang chuck it a bunch of times? Maybe, so. but like it, it's mostly I'm visualizing just giant lightning bolts and he's just leaping through the sky, just like n- like nuking like eighty guys at a time. Yeah, it is like AE attacks <laughs> every time he lands. <laughs> yeah, he bursts around. Yes, so that yeah. So Thor, it's like he's, Ice Mage from World of Warcraft. Oh yeah, big time, big time. Frost Blast. Yeah. So, All yeah, right, he's the coolest. All right, I'm glad that we stayed on topic today. Yeah, I'm glad too. All right, is there so another news item? That's why the bow is bullshit. But those are that's why that news. entire Kickstarter is bullshit because <laughs> just because of one bowstring in the wrong spot. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm not. I love Lancelot is probably one of my favorite minis of theirs of the of the eleven they've shown. It's got kind of a ranger thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I'd, but I can't. I can't buy it. <laughs> I can't buy it. I mean, maybe if it's a separate piece and I can like wrench it in the right way. Just I'll cut look. the string. Cut the bow yeah. at his hand and rotate it a bit. I just take it out and put a meow meow in there instead. A meow meow? Yeah. Hey, it's a meow meow. Another reference. Um, God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a lot more news. Um, Let's zip through this. Age of Sigmar General's Handbook 2020 is on the way. It should 
uh, it should be released or pre-ordered right about now, by the time that this episode hits live. I haven't seen a whole bunch. I've read some of the articles, but a lot of it was like the boring ass, like multiplayer battles, multiplayer battles. Wow, that was great. Yeah. Um, I want to try <laughs> multiplayer battles. That's no, that good. wasn't as good. No. Yours was better. Well, well, you can get used to saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool that they, they can have those rules. And I think if you can make a more balanced multiplayer game, that's a good thing. Sure. I don't know if you've ever played in a four way. <laughs> A devil's three-way. It's tough. Um, it's <laughs> it's not a balanced game. It's usually, I mean, it's a balanced game in such that if you are the most uh, convincing person to have like form alliances and then backstab, it works well. Oh, this is a free for all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then otherwise, it's like it's just everyone get in the pile and it's kind of silly. But if they can have more structured rules around it, that could be fun. I haven't seen a whole lot in terms of rules for match play and stuff that's been announced yet. So once that comes out, I'm buying it. I don't know if you're going to buy it. I'm assuming you're buying it. Nope. Okay. Why would I buy it? You think I played Age of Sigmar? <laughs> I don't know. It's not like you're painting an army for the game. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay. You have more to say about this? Keep talking. Because um, I have it, something to say about it too. I was just going to say that you're not going to buy it because then you're just going to make me tell you all the things you need to know about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's I'm gonna all I need have to you say. scan each page. Make a PDF and no, then print it for me. No, then you'd need to read it. You need me to read it to you. Yeah, because I'm illiterate. You, yeah, while yeah, you yeah. eat grapes. <laughs> Not grapes, baby food. Oh. Mush. <laughs> Spit it in your mouth. <laughs> I had a theory a long time ago that all the Wood Elf units in my army, like Way Watchers, uh, the Spirit of Kurnos, which is Orion, the Twilight Sisters on Dragon... That aren't uh, in the Cities of Sigmar, essentially, which I think is there's three Wood Elf units in Cities of Sigmar. They had this this back alley rule set in GHB 2019. So if like you went to like the the very very back of the rule book, you could find like overflow units. <laughs> you know what I mean? The rest overstock <laughs> that had like points, and they you know they weren't they didn't get balanced ever. And they weren't like thought of as like maybe a lot of tournaments didn't even allow people to use these units. But I was like, okay, I can still play AOS. They got points. Okay, whatever. My theory is they're not going to exist in this book. And I will truly be unable to use them in AOS anymore. You think that? I That's think my theory. This is the time where if they were going to do that, I think they would. Because Cities of Sigmar book had been released. Right. So they can say, exactly. we did this thing. Yes. And just kind of let the rest fade into nothingness but you could also make the argument that in ghp 2019 they had a wanderer army with battle traits and and artifacts of power and i can't remember the other thing um command traits and other things and they had special rules like they could they had this rule called meld where they could retreat and fire their bows in the same turn very wood elfy um so yeah so that that they did get some love beyond just back shelf mm. um so maybe the, maybe they'll stick around i i think they'll i if i had to put money on it if i was going to the vegas uh books i would put money on that they'll still be in because even if it's a copy paste job which is probably what it would be i'd be i'd be good at that because they don't ruffle the feathers they also don't have to balance their game around it that's the other sure, thing is, right is they can still do this and not really worry about balance because what makes that army cool what makes that army really um 
useful is things like the retreat and shoot. Yeah. And you'd need to be in the Wanderer's um, alliance yeah. in order to get that ability. So it's right, not that right. you had they had one broke and broke ass archer unit that other people could ally in. And and that's the reason why like it was considered good. It's not that the army's good, but here because it's tied to their abilities, I think they're probably just fine. Yeah. And I know some of their stuff is in cities, isn't it? Quite a bit of it. All, like all of it is. Yeah. Then what Glade are you bitching Garden. about? You can just play cities. Don't even die. Already, we already <laughs> did this. I just want to get you going again. Why? Because <laughs> your voice gets so high. Ah! <laughs> I fucking hate cities of Sigmar. Uh, all right. Warhammer 40K. 40K Indominus. Indominus. Pre-order out today of recording, right? Or today, is it- day of recording, yeah. And we see, I saw today um, is like they could people can start putting out videos and content about it. So by the time this goes live, um, this video, our podcast goes live, probably you'll be able to pre-order it. Yeah. I cannot say the name of that box without saying it like Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. Indomitus. <laughs> oh, go to Indomitus. <laughs> Comment below, did it better. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> Everyone on the carpet. <laughs> all right, I could do that all day. We got to quit. We gotta quit. Um, all right, last cool bit of info. Oh, I even wrote down the date. Look at me doing stinking research. July wow. 25th. Uh, is the release date and 40k 9e rules i saw a week wiki link wiki leak just a leak of the <laughs> prices of everything have you seen this 200 bucks yeah that's what indominus boxes did yeah. you see what the core rule book cost is no doesn't the robot come in the box like a small one uh yeah i think a soft cover or something but yeah, yeah, just yeah. what most of us would do would just buy the core rule book why would you do that if it comes in the starter thing? Oh, because you don't need the armies. Right. Oh, sorry. Or even if you're splitting it, like one of you's got to like Buy flip it. heads or tails and okay. the other one doesn't get it. Right. Guess right. how much it costs. A hardcover rule book. Yep. All right. I feel like the question is presumes that it's expensive. It's... Otherwise, you wouldn't ask me. I'm going to guess. I'm going to be conservative to $60. You're not far off. $65. Yeah. It's going in that direction. Yeah, keep going up. <laughs> it does keep going keep up. Keep going up. Um, okay. That's all we got to say about 40K for now. All y'all, right. y'all know about 40K. You probably watch other videos and other stuff. If you don't care about 40K, then you don't care about 40K. Then you're the same as me? You're the same as us. Although some of those new Necro models are pretty damn dope. The models always look cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Darko, they're awesome. All right. This one is super cool. And super cool. Jakey Poo brought this to us, to mm-hmm. our attention last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. I want to let you talk about it. Oh, yeah. Uh Roman Lapot. <laughs> Erase <laughs> it. <laughs> Three hours. Uh, Roman Lapot has a piece called Last Light, and he won a Slayer Sword with it in Golden Demon, Germany in 2007. I don't know if that's right. A while ago. And he put his heart and soul into this piece, uh, and he, he sells pretty much everything he paints. Maybe he holds onto it for a few months, but he sells it. And he, this one's been on sale forever. Um, and someone finally bought it. Amazing. And it cost 7,300 us dollars. Yep. I don't even know how you price that. Cause if you, if you, if you read the story, like he's sleeping in the area that he's painting it and he's, he's, you know, he's doing it for 40, 50, 60. It just keeps going up and up and up and up. I don't even know how you price that. 
How do you put a price on suffering? No. <laughs> I mean, it probably is tied to your belly of how much you got to eat, I guess, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I, this, this is... Uh, the reason that re- this really interests me is, one, to me, there's many... There are some iconic pieces in miniature art history. Yeah. But in the recent miniature art history, which I would call the last 20, 25 years, this is one of the, if not the most iconic piece painted, created. I would say it's top five. Yeah. And to have it sold. One, it's super cool that there are, we know that there are collectors because oftentimes you see these fancy European painters and they're painting something and they say for collector. Yeah. I'm like in private collection. In private like, collection. Why don't you just say who it is? Yeah. I'm like, wow. Like there's some rich, it's like pe- Putin's buying minis or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> Putin's on the back of a grizzly bear just <laughs> going over and like looking at his toy soldiers uh, with no shirt on. Um, it kind of makes me want to kit bash him. Putin riding a grizzly bear. <laughs> There's a picture of that no somewhere. With, yeah, with no shirt on, just like holding the flag. Yeah. I bet we can make it happen. Probably. Um, but the fact that it's sold, the fact that somebody values as a collector, as an art collector, this at a pretty high price tag. Now, it's a high price tag in one hand. I just think of straight dollar amount. Paying over $70,000 for one painted miniature. 7000 You almost said 70000 Yeah. Yeah. No, I almost said $70,000. No, $7,000. 7300 um, Seems like a ludicrous amount of money. And then you see the piece and like, oh, Jesus Christ, that's fucking amazing and huge and took hundreds of hours to do. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, but this is so iconic and this is like so well known and it's put so much time and it's just like the the pinnacle piece of his career yeah. to this point yeah to sell it for any amount $7000 doesn't seem that much enough no. it doesn't seem enough what is the girl what 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 is the girl with the pro earring cost yeah i don't want to go and say it so far and say this is the mona lisa of miniature painting but you think of any iconic artwork mm. what does that cost i don't even know six figures right easily yeah so then this Seven thousand seems like nothing. Yeah, it makes me want to. It makes me want to have a miniature painting museum, and I don't want that to be in there. All right, rich person that bought it, we need you to go ahead and donate it. Donate it for uh... Scotty Boy's sideshow and mi- miniature menagerie <laughs> in Minnesota. <laughs> it's just in a basement. <laughs> you gotta you gotta knock on the garage door to get in. <laughs> right next to Tendy Con. <laughs> You get a free ticket to TendyCon if you come to our miniature menagerie. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. But yeah, that's um, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad it's sold. I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the rich person. I wish I was. Wish I was that rich person. Yes, was the one able to buy it. Yes. Um, I think it's cool news. Okay. Okay. On oh. to your little video. Oh God, I forgot. I thought we were done with news. That's why I left a pause there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, last bit of news. John found this Starry Games promo video, which is like uh, a company that produces miniatures. Uh, they, they do the casting process, and it's like a spec sheet readout of like what they do, what their process is, and uh, so that companies that are looking for someone to cast their game can be like, okay, I'll think about Starry Games. Yeah, 
It's really interesting. I don't know why I found it so interesting, and I, and I send it to you, and you're like, "Why are we even going to talk about this?" I mean, I get, I, I feel like I know how mantras are made, and I was like, "Yeah, this is how it works." It was, it was interesting to see the behind the scenes of this, uh, this Chinese plant and company that does this, and they kind of are. It's a, it's a marketing video for, for them, mm-hmm. and just like. Seeing where they had like the molten rocks that they're using to make yeah, the that was kind of weird. Like, yeah, it, like a lot of areas are in there. These nice blue polos and this fancy office setting, whatever, and this digital designers. And then they're in some like fucking like Mordor de- depth dungeon. <laughs> yeah, forging the ring. <laughs> yeah, like, what got, the hell is they this? They got but? crucibles with like molten metal in them, and it's like, wait, what are you casting? <laughs> yeah, and the dude's got like not wearing shoes, and it's like a <laughs> gravel floor, and he's like. It was, it was just so awkward. It was so weird. This video is like, you're going to watch it and be like, John, that's not all that cool. But I still want you guys to watch it because I just think it's interesting. It's a two-year-old video, but it still felt like really relevant of how this technology is constantly evolving to like what they're able to produce and, and, and at what scale and um, how they work with companies to make it work. And you know they're not the only ones that do this work. But when you're seeing all these Kickstarters for board games and you're wondering... You know, like how is all that stuff done? Yeah, um, this is exactly That's how. It, yeah. When they told you that the what was the spec on their numbers? It was like they, some like some thousands of miniatures a day or something like that. Yeah, or, twenty thousand a day at fifty millimeter scale or something. We can finish a Kickstarter of like twenty thousand models in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, was I was like, like whoa. Yeah, they're definitely there for this on the the Kickstarter road. Absolutely. Um, so I, they're not the kind of company that would be like making your minis for your like gw scale stuff i don't think or no like, it's it's they said pvc yeah, specifically yeah so anyway that's just something it's new it's not news it's two years old but i found it so it's news to me so you guys get to learn about it check it out so all right welcome to the end of the pod girls end of the show hope you guys enjoyed the conversation about personal styles i know i did like i said it was very therapeutic for me oh but it's for you too as well yeah let us know in the comments on the Facebook page in your own head what what yes. you think about style. Commune with us via your head and your head antenna. Telepathy. That's the word for it. Yeah. Head antenna also works. Let us know what you think about sound effects too. We're a big fan of sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let us know. What, have you thought about your style? I thought you were going to say that. Have you thought about sound effects? <laughs> have let me tell you something, young man. I tend to deprive brain. <laughs> it just can't handle this. We want to know. I want to know. I don't know what Scott wants to know. <laughs> I want to know. Have you thought about painting style? Have you thought about your style? Are you going to think about it now? Are you going to talk to somebody about it? Dang, you got a lot of questions. I got all these questions, and I need you to email me at john at john.com. <laughs> the answer to all these at questions. John dick.com. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let us know, like, did you find this an interesting conversation? Do you find these? They're, they're we take the abstract, and we also take the tangible, and we intermingle them. Mm. Yeah, and we juggled all the balls. Yeah, you're making it sound like we prepare this stuff. Yes. This is intentional. <laughs> was this a good idea or was this hot garbo? <laughs> I think it was pretty good. I think it was decent. Garbo. Comment below if you want me and John to sumo wrestle, where one of us represents fantasy and the other represents Age of Sigmar. Literally and metaphorically. Yeah. And note that I know almost dick about one of these games, and I'm willing to talk dick? about it. Dope sick? 
Yeah, I know Dope Sick about one of these games. I'm willing to talk about it. So if you don't like those games, maybe you'll still want to listen to it. I know about both games. You know a little bit. The lore doesn't count. We're not talking about lore. Jesus Christ. No. No. I'm not saying yes to this idea if we're talking about lore. Why not? Because I care. I give exactly zero fucks. <laughs> zero dicks. Yeah, zero dicks were given this day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going to do it. If you guys like the podcast and you want to support it, there are multiple ways that you can do it. Namely, a Patreon campaign where we have a cool tier for five bucks. You get access to an extended episode when we talk about our favorite miniatures from other painters this week and why we like them. We talk about uh, what we tried that was new in the week and like kind of the failures we've had and the success we've had with that experimentation. And we also give feedback to one of our sprues and spruettes uh, and kind of deep dive into their miniatures and say what we like, what we don't like about their paint jobs. Yeah. And this week, you also got bonus sound effects. Yeah, we made a lot of... <laughs> in the after party. There was, yeah, we like to mess around. Uh, you can also buy some of our merch, which we are not wearing right now. Uh, don't buy this shirt. Yeah, it's, you can't buy that shirt. Yeah. Uh, fucking limited edition. Limited edition. I'll, I'll sell it for $7,300. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> uh, you can also tell your nerd friends about our podcast. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. And that'll do her. Subscribe or die. Oh, sorry. Subscribe or die. And most importantly, don't forget to. No, I'm not doing that. Buy a shirt with a wolf on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. We'll catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs>